farewell to the Ephesian elders. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Maltus. Paul had decided to set sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible by the day of Pentecost. From Maltus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I have lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Hello again, lovely people. And once again, it is lovely to be with you. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks for your word and we give thanks that we are free to hear the wonder of your word read aloud. And we ask now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word and listen to the things that you want us to hear. In the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. What's the hardest word to say? For some people, 
it's sorry. Physically saying sorry is difficult. I think for me, though, the hardest word to say of all is goodbye. Now, I'm quite an emotional, people-orientated sort of a guy, so I like to be around people. I like to keep in touch with people. And especially, I don't like to acknowledge that when I've spent some time with a person, I may not see them ever again. That goes with old school friends, old university friends, college friends, work friends, you name it. I like to keep in touch with as many people as possible. But sometimes that's not always possible. I remember this being really put home to me about 10 years or so ago when I was back in Merthyr. I was in my home church and there was a mission going on in that church. People had come from America, from Atlanta in Georgia to be part of a mission to the South Wales Valleys. A lot of those guys I got to know pretty well. And one guy in particular I really connected with. I'll never forget that on the last day that they were around, he said to me, next time I'll see you, I'll see you in heaven. It struck a real chord with me that I wasn't going to see this guy again. But then I was when we were in heaven. It never occurred to me that that goodbye would be, while we're here on earth at least, a final goodbye. I didn't know what to say except, yeah, see you up there, bro, or words to that effect. Because sometimes saying the right words in goodbye is pretty hard. I've done it myself. When I've had to leave a place, leave a place of work, leave a church, say goodbye. Sometimes they really are the hardest things to say. The words that you pass on as you're about to go. And the temptation always is to say something nice and encouraging and lovely. And why not? We are kind, lovely people. We like to say lovely things to each other. And we really like to encourage each other when we part ways to do so on a high note. Well, in our Acts reading today, Paul is in the position himself of saying goodbye. And he is saying a very emotional goodbye to the church of the Ephesians and the leaders there. He had spent a long time in Ephesus getting to know these people, getting to work alongside them, getting to minister with them, go through the joys and the sorrows. And now he got to say goodbye. In the context of this reading, Paul was about 30 miles away from Ephesus in a little port town called Miletus. But the church there wanted to see him and they wanted to hear his words one final time. These brothers and sisters in Christ coming together for this final goodbye. Now Paul did something that was really brave in that goodbye. He didn't use large encouraging words. He didn't use happy words. His tears weren't false. They were real and true. And he told them, in one of these most difficult passages that we see in the book of Acts, that he was going to suffer, 
and they were going to suffer. Bad things were on the way to the church. That is brave, and that was courageous. And I know if I was to put myself in Paul's sandals for a day, I would have gone about in a different way. I would have said to them at that port before I got on the boat, guys, I have loved being with you. Guys, isn't this amazing? Brilliant things are going to happen. The Lord loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Let's continue going on. Oh, and we'll keep in touch as well. I'll send a few letters. Look me up on Facebook. I would have done anything to make sure we parted ways on a good note. Paul, however, was honest with them. And they in turn responded to his call. They listened earnestly to his honesty and they themselves knew that they had to act upon it. Paul was on his way to Jerusalem where he expected to suffer for the gospel. They were on the way back to their hometown where they fully intended things to be difficult as well. It wasn't always pleasant, but they were prepared. And this brings home one of the starkest reminders in all of Christianity, and something, if we're honest, we try to run away from. And that is, being a Christian doesn't always make your life better. Or at least, it doesn't mean that in our life we won't suffer. When we give our lives to the Lord, we know that we are loved. When we give our lives to the Lord, we know we are forgiven. When we give our lives to the Lord, we know we are saved by grace and we know we have an eternal life to spend with him. We know that what is to come is greater than anything we face here on earth now. There are no guarantees that anything will get better. There are no guarantees that we won't go through bad times. And there are no guarantees that we won't suffer as well. Look across the world and we see it. We look at faithful Christians in other countries, incredibly faithful, but they suffer persecution because of their faith. We look, as we've seen in recent weeks, events in Afghanistan where Christians are now persecuted, killed, sheltered, hiding, looking to get out because they face that persecution. Being a Christian is a brilliant, amazing, phenomenal thing. And it is incredible to know that we are loved by the Lord so powerfully. But it would be wrong to suggest that being a Christian will always make our lives better but it is always worth it. So in this reading, we are really challenged as well to wonder what will happen when we have tough times come our way, when we as individuals, when we as a church have difficult times, when we have times of suffering, what we are to do to get through it and to cling on to the Lord and to keep looking at him instead of blaming him for everything that has gone wrong, as our human nature suggests that we should do. What is it that we do when suffering comes our way and stress comes our way?
Well, in the context of this reading, Paul himself suggests that the first thing really that they need to do is be humble. And let's break down for a second the guys who he is speaking to. He is speaking to the leaders of the church. This is a church which has seen success in growth. This is a church that is doing incredible things. This is a church that no doubt has seen miracles, signs and wonders and brilliant things happen. The church leaders who came to say goodbye to him in their humanity, no doubt, had been boosted. Paul himself had seen incredible things happen already in his mission. But his challenge to them and himself were to remain humble. Because in humility, there is unity. The opposite of that humility, as talked about in this reading, is booting oneself up above the other. And amongst the leaders particularly, this is something that could so readily happen, so easily happen, to one to look to the other and say, how many people have you brought to Christ this week? I've done 15. How many have you done? Three. Oh, only three, is it? I'm doing really well. Which one of us is the most important, Hugh? And everything like that. Paul knew that whenever ego came in, whenever pride came in, whenever boosting each other's up and our accomplishments in, that's when disunity would come as well. That's when darkness would come in. And that's when eyes would be taken away from the mission of God and put on the mission of self. There was no room for pride. Paul had to stay humble and so did they. And in our world now, which celebrates success and human success above all, and even church success as well, that is something that we need to remember and cling on to, that we should always humble ourselves before the Lord and acknowledge that all good things, every spiritual gift, every miracle, every new believer coming to faith comes through him and him alone and not our own human endeavour. So Paul tells them that they need to be humble. But he also tells them that they need to make a stand. And they need to be willing to stand up for what is right. Knowing that perhaps persecution was coming his way and their way, he knew that the time was right not to hide, but to say, this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. Whatever comes my way, I will stand by truth. I will stand by what is right. And I will publicly speak and I will say that this is right in God's eyes. Let's think again about events of recent weeks. And let's think especially of that situation in Afghanistan. Many of us might know about the Christians who were persecuted there. Many of us might see the horror pictures of people who are escaping. But are we willing to take a stand and say, you know what, this is wrong? To take a stand and say, this isn't right in the eyes of God. It isn't right that his followers are suffering. It isn't right that his people are suffering. It isn't right that many people are suffering. We, as God's people, need to make a stand and say this is wrong. 
We need to make a stand on so many other issues across the world as well. We need to make a stand against climate change. We need to make a stand against the effects of climate change already being felt in other countries in the world because of events that happen in the West. We need to make a stand against any place where suffering is happening, where persecution is happening, where pain is happening, where poverty is happening. We need to make a stand where people are being treated differently, where racial injustice is happening. We need to make a stand against the places where people are seen as less by how much money they earn, seen as less by who they are, whether they're employed or not, whether they've got a past or not. We need to make a stand against all of these things and say we worship the Lord God who is on the side of those people, who's on the side of all of us who suffer. We need to make a stand in doing what the Lord tells us. And in making that stand, we need to stand on God's word. One thing Paul really hammers home to the Ephesians in this particular reading is the importance of scripture and how easily it is to be distracted from scripture and how easily it is to be led away from the teachings of scripture, even going as far as to warn them that some might come in to try and lead them astray. He warns them to stand on scripture. And the only way we can stand on scripture is by knowing scripture ourselves, by hearing the scriptures read aloud, by reading the scriptures, by praying on the scriptures and seeing what God does through the scriptures. The Bible, the world's bestseller, but read so little. We need to engage with the scriptures and what the scriptures are saying to us. Because the scriptures are God's love letter to the world. The scriptures are God's revelation to the world. And God never stops revealing himself to the world through the scriptures. We need to take the scriptures seriously. And as we continue as a church, we're so easy to look at other things. We need to bring ourselves always back to what is God saying through his holy word. And we need to take the opportunities to read, to listen, to hear when we can. If we are struggling right now to know what to read, have a look at our notice sheet where we have a list of readings, short readings for the day. Look up the various apps and things that there are on the scriptures. If you need a Bible, let us know and we'll do all that we can to get you a Bible. We need to read the scriptures but we can only read those scriptures through God's Spirit. And in this reading, Paul is telling the Ephesians and reminding himself as well that without God's Spirit upon us, we can do nothing. We can achieve nothing and all things fall flat. We need constantly to be filled with God's Holy Spirit you know, the book of Acts is such a powerful reminder of the need of God's Spirit on us and upon us. When we go back to the very beginning, which we read at the beginning of the year, hearing the events of the day of Pentecost and seeing God's Spirit fall upon the people 
and how afterwards they were filled and filled and filled again. And here Paul telling them, as suffering is about to come their way, and the things that they need to do to stay as one in the midst of that suffering, how they need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit constantly. We need to be filled with the Spirit all the time. And for the likes of Paul and the Church of Ephesus needed that, we need it as well. We need God's Spirit to fall upon us. And we need to do something else as well. And that is pray. You know, one of the most moving things about this reading, and as I say, it is one of the hardest to read in the book of Acts, is how just before Paul got on the boat, just before he set sail, he and the elders of the church got on their knees and they prayed together and they wept together. They lifted everything to the Lord before they could say goodbye to each other and continue in the calling of the Lord for them they knew they needed to pray and we need to pray as well because without prayer we fall flat without prayer our plans come to nothing prayer reminds us of the love of God prayer reminds us that God is with us all the time Prayer reminds us the Lord is listening to us even now. Prayer reminds us that God is there. Prayer reminds us that God acts upon our prayer as well. We can lift all things to him. And the prayer of the church, the prayer of God's people, is a powerful weapon. When we pray, and be that on our own, be it together, it is powerful. And nothing can stand against God. We need to take prayer seriously. Saying goodbye is a horrid thing. Paul knew that when he said goodbye to the church. Knowing what was coming for both the church and for him was a horrid thing. But they were ready. And let's never forget this as well. The Lord will only lay upon us things that we can handle. The burden will never be too much. And when we walk with the Lord, he will not only carry our burden, he will carry us as well. And so I really urge all of us, that whatever we are going through today, be it for ourselves, be it for our families, be it for our church, be it for the world, let us lift it all to the Lord. Let us lift all times of suffering to the Lord. Let us lift all things to the Lord. As we do so, let's do so knowing he can do great things. Nothing is impossible for him. He is an amazing God. Why did they keep on going through that suffering why did they head into it knowing that it would happen? Because they knew that God was bigger. And our God today is bigger than anything. Let's lift ourselves to the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks that your scripture is true and real. 
And we give thanks that your word is relevant to the church today. And we give thanks of your word speaking, not always the things that are lovely, but the things that are honest, the things of suffering as well. And we give thanks for the honesty of Paul and the church about the suffering that they would face. And Lord, as they were honest, we get before you today with honest hearts. And we lift you the concerns that we have today. Concerns for ourselves, concerns for your church, concerns for our world, concerns for all people. We lift them before you. And we do so knowing that you are loving. And we do so knowing that you are listening. We pray, Lord, that where we need to, we would make a stand. We pray, Lord, that in all things we would be united and be united in the humility that you call us to. We pray, Lord, that we would read, digest and listen to the teachings of your holy word. We pray that we would be united in prayer and we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit as well. Lord, whatever we have going on today, hear us as we come before you. Fill us with your spirit. Where we need to laugh together, may we laugh together. Where we need to weep together, may we weep together. But may we do all things before you. We come before you now. Come close to us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. <laughs>